Bleacher Report, and it said Tom Herman denies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Both times, because they came like an hour apart, I thought it said Tom Herman dies, and I about <laughs> crapped myself. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And so then I read, I was like, oh. Okay, breaking news. Oh, we got it. Here we go. Wow. LeBron to the Lakers. Is that official? Official from Woj. Wow. Four years, $154 million. Wow. Wow. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. I kind of, I mean, those are how the tea leaves. Darn it. Come on. Ty should feel like a win. No. It does not feel like a win. Oh, man. I'll say that. I'll say they, that. They say, they say a tie is like kissing your sister, but for the Browns, it's like kissing your hot stepsister. <laughs> now, here are your host of the short thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of The Shore Thing here on Talk Radio. I love you. My name is Mike Shore here along with Ryan Silva. Got a good show playing for you today. We've been to college football. Uh, semifinal games yesterday with Clemson and Alabama. I'm the first time in four years in the national championship game. We're going to talk about how it was like being at the Cotton Bowl since we were there uh, yesterday in the press box. And then we're also going to take a look at the NFL playoffs in playoff mode now. One, uh, we have one game left in the regular season. That's Colts Titans for the sixth seed in the uh, AFC wildcard spot. Uh, that's pretty much going to be it for football wise. And if we uh, run out of time in the final segment, we'll talk about the stars and what CEO James Light or uh, Jim Light, excuse me, uh, had to say about Tyler Sagan and. Jamie Benn, the two highest paid and two best players on the team, uh, what he said on the record Friday when he was asked if he's, if he wanted his things to be said on the record. Uh, I mean, what a wild that was. So we'll talk about that the final segment of the show. All right, Ryan, how was uh, everything going on? You uh, uh, Everything going well? Yeah, it's, now that everyone's kind of, everything's kind of cooled down, we kind of had a whirlwind of a week um, between, obviously, the holidays uh, the Cotton Bowl stuff, and then I had to jump on a plane and go to a wedding real quick, and I came back, and then we had, again, the Cotton Bowl yesterday when I got back in town. Uh, but now that everything's kind of settled down, I mean, things are things are pretty good. Yeah, we did. Uh, so we'll get right in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Clemson won 30-3. They scored 30 unanswered. Notre Dame started on a field goal drive, and then things really snowballed there in the second uh, quarter, especially when they uh, gave a 52-yard touchdown pass. And Trevor Lawrence dropped one in right uh, down the right sideline to uh, Ross, uh, which was an absolute just amazing throw over there. And then he did it again. Uh, That was uh, Justin Ross. Ross caught another touchdown pass, 50-yarder, to follow that up. And uh, look, Notre Dame, they had their chances early on. They didn't take a lot. They They didn't take advantage of it. They also... Uh, had the reviews go against them. And I'm not saying that they got robbed in any of the calls. They went 0 for 4 in plays that got that reviewed that initially on the field started their way, and they, they went against them. They were all, in my mind, the right call. It's just I think it's very rare that you see uh, a team get unlucky with the call on the field and then re- review got them right. So I don't think they really have anything to complain about call-wise, like the book fumble, 
the the Ian Book fumble at the 50, uh, that was clearly a fumble. They got it right. Every Notre Dame fan knew it. You could tell when they put it on the video board. You, you looked at it and they knew it was a fumble. The one I think they might complain about the most is going to be the uh, the kick out of bounds. But, I mean, Pylon Camp showed it was out. It clipped out of bounds. And I saw, like, Mike Pereira and, like, Albert Burr saying, is that really? And, like, it was so close. I mean, how are you going to overturn it? Are, are we in the – that's not what replay's for. Are we in the matter of getting the call right or just having replay in the right thing? But that's another discussion for another day. And then they had another fumble uh, that that went against them. Oh, and then they had the touchdown catch at the end of the first half. That was a juggler. Um, and the guy on Clemson, it was uh, uh, Higgins. Higgins got it down the right, like juggled it, got that catch there, reviewed it for a touchdown. I mean, un, un, uncharacteristic, but all three of those calls were in the second quarter, and Clemson took advantage of getting uh, the call right. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, really, I mean, obviously, those, those replays are big, especially the fumble where Notre Dame recovered it in their own territory, but then it was overturned. Um, I mean, Clemson's defense was just manhandling. I think the Notre Dame offensive line up front. Uh, Ian Book was sacked six times, and he was pressured way more than that. Um, you know, even though they were missing Dexter Lawrence, Clemson was in that front four. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. They were just all over him all day. They really couldn't get the running game either uh, going. Notre Dame couldn't. Uh, their Dexter Williams, 16 carries for 54 yards. Ian Book carried the ball 17 times, only got 30 yards. And he's a guy that can make plays outside the pocket with his legs. Um, but I think the the real story here is just how damn good Trevor Lawrence is at such a young age. I mean, like you said, the, that very first touchdown pass that he threw, we had a perfect view of it where we were, the, where we were in the press box. And he led Justin Ross just absolutely perfectly. Like, it was an absolute dime. I, I, I tweeted out that the ESPN replay wouldn't be able to show just how great it was. Because, like I said, we had a perfect line of sight uh, where we were, were kind of catty corner from the field, where we were looking at the field diagonally. And the play was going away from us. And so you could just see that ball soar through the air perfectly and right, uh, land right into Justin Ross's arms. Um, so, I mean, that, that was an absolute dime. The uh, catch by T. Higgins for another touchdown. I mean, that was a great catch. Uh, uh, pretty good throw as well by Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins just uh, brought it in after after a little tip drill to himself. Um, but I mean, it, it was it was over pretty quickly that second quarter. Like you said, all those reviews going Clemson's way. That was definitely when the tide turned, and Clemson never looked back and really never even gave Notre Dame another shot. I thought the Notre Dame play calling was atrocious. Yeah, that, uh, that was yeah, that was uh, not to cut you off. I'm sorry, uh, but just the fact that they were still trying to pound the run over and over and over again when they weren't getting anything was a little suspect to me as well. Yeah, and I don't know if I was I would even I don't mind uh trying to run the ball. Uh but the, my biggest problem with them is is the they all, I all talk about the game was how the Clemson the Clemson receivers were just going to work over the the or the Notre Dame receivers are going to work over the Clemson DBs because Clemson played bad against uh, South Carolina and they got they got burned a little bit. And I mean, Notre Dame didn't take any chances down the field. I think they had one shot when Ian Book underthrew. I think it was uh, I think it was Boykin, uh, like kind of down the seam for a touchdown. That was in the second quarter. He underthrew it. Maybe pass interference could have been called. But other than that, they didn't really take any shots down the field. The Clemson uh, 
Um, the Clemson rece- or defensive backs all game were uh, locked locked down. I actually talked to media day to AJ Fuller, who's a Clemson uh, defensive back. He's a sophomore, and I was like, a lot has been made up about you guys being not very good. Like they just remember the South Carolina game, and he goes, he goes, I don't think we're. He goes, we're we we heard that, but that's not like a big deal to us. But, I mean, we, we go up against great receivers in practice every day, and they really do. And the receivers are so young for Clemson. So he wasn't really worried. He said that's everybody just talking like usual. He would just played it to the media, playing it up. And he was right. I mean, those guys uh, those guys, I mean, those guys locked him down. And I didn't think Ian Buck, he was not very good, as I said. He did, and the play calling was bad. And uh, Brian Kelly is suspect. I mean... Notre Dame is on the mantra, like big. Everyone called big game Bob the the whole Stoops thing. Let me know when Brian Kelly wins a big game or even competes in a big game. Yeah, they haven't won a New Year's Six bowl going back since two thousand. They're zero six and they get blown out every single time of them. They're just uncompetitive in these games, and. Some of them I understand they're tough, like you got a long layoff, this and that, but this is a semifinal game. And they had enough. They are like, I really do think they are a better team than how they played yesterday. But at a time, the guy's got to show up, and he has to coach better. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, he in his post-game press conference, he kind of uh, he wasn't really taking the blame, but he wasn't, uh, I mean, he wasn't, what I meant to say was he wasn't putting the blame on anybody else, but he definitely wasn't taking it himself either. Whereas, like, you, when you're the head coach and you've repeatedly have shown up, well, not shown up and, and had a poor showing in uh, big games, you know, obviously go back to 2012, you can't put that on this team, but you can put that on Bryant Kelly, um, just not having a, a good performance again, like you said. I mean, they're 0-6, they've lost their last six New Year's Six Bowls by an average of 24 points points a game blown out every time um i mean i I think uh, you know there's obviously been speculation about urban meyer going to notre dame not i'm not saying that but i think brian kelly i think his seat's getting a little warm and depending on how this team does next year um you know we saw after the loss to alabama in 2012 the team came out the next year and i think that was the season that went four and eight uh, if i'm if i'm uh correct so we really got to see how he rebounds from this season as well. Uh, he did say in his in his post game press conference that after that loss in 2012, he definitely had a lot more questions in his mind about the team they were going to be coming back. And he says that's not the case this season. He's gonna he has a, a real good feel that he thinks his team is right on the brink and they'll be able to get over that edge. But I mean, you got to put that into put that into play and we got to see what what what's actually going to happen with this Notre Dame team moving forward Ian Book he's a junior uh, I'm assuming he'd probably come back next year Devin Wimbush uh senior he's he's gone so uh you know we'll we'll see what this team is again like you like we said uh coming back next year but uh not a great showing for Brian Kelly yeah uh also the Urban Meyer speculation that's just a bunch of media guys thinking that he's going to coach again I mean he is the assistant athletic director at Ohio State he just got that job uh, and I understand people think he's going to coach again, but he, I, it sounds like he wasn't ruling out coaching, but he also said, no, I'm probably not going to coach again. And, uh, this is a totally different situation in my mind than Florida. So I just think it's a lot of hot air right now about the, uh, urban Meyer, but look, those drums will continue to be pounded. All right. We'll continue talking cotton bowl. Uh, and the, we'll get in the Oklahoma game. We'll get 
uh, what it was like being at the Cotton Bowl uh, yesterday. Uh, coming back after the break here on Talk Radio 1190. We're back here on the short thing on Talk Radio uh, 1190, and we're going to just dive right into it. Uh, since being at the game, oh, one thing before on Brian Kelly, how about you be a little less smug on Media Day? I know we touched on it on our uh, podcast. You should go check out SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, and the iHeartRadio uh, podcast app, The Sure Thing. It's where we're going to – we already get, we spoke to Sean McDonough at Media Day, good 10 minutes there, so listen to that. Uh, Ryan talked to Ian Book. We talked to uh, this guy in Notre Dame about Fortnite. So that's <laughs> going to be one thing put together. We're going to get that up tonight. And then we are going to – there's another one where I interviewed three players, two guys on Notre Dame, one guy on Clemson, could not find the long snapper or the punter. We told the story on Wednesday, so you, or Thursday, so you have to listen to it. Where I asked them five questions about Texas history, because they were all five from Texas. Yeah, they were all five from Texas. So I was like, oh, let's see how. And I was like, the state flower, who's the governor, how many presidents have been born here, when the state be or when Texas became a state, and then how many states does Texas border? So I asked that. I think some of them were pretty funny. Uh, no one got shut out. Yeah, that was the good thing, and I didn't think anybody was gonna shut, get shut out with the with the uh, f- easy. I mean, easy alley oop on the first one. Um, so at the game yesterday, got there. So with our pass, we're able to go on the field for the first forty five minutes or until forty five minutes before the game. And the last five minutes of the uh, end of the, in the fourth quarter, we're able to go on the field. Uh, and then we're in the press box. We're like third row kind of like right in the corner of the end zone. Fine seats. Uh, couldn't see the video board, which is fine. I didn't really care about that. The only problem was that uh, usually they have the video board on one of the TVs in the press box. They have the game cast stats and like the uh, the screen. They didn't have that. So that was a little, I guess if that's my one complaint, we could have. Uh, well, it was weird because they had it right before the game started. Yeah, and then they put the stats on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very weird there. But before the game, we went down there. I mean, we you knew on uh, on Thursday when we were with these guys. These guys are big, but when they got the pads on, I don't know what it was. Or they just seemed bigger yesterday than what they were on uh, Thursday. Yeah, I mean, they, we, I think we <laughs> for a good minute there, we were just standing on the sidelines, just like Jesus, look how big that guy is. God, that guy's huge, man. Look how big this dude. Is. I mean, he, like it, there was even the punter. We were like, the punter had to have been like six eight. I mean, he was. I look I mean, back. He was six four. Yeah, he was. He but, stunk though. Yeah, he was not. <laughs> Clemson <good>. punters, <laughs> players. He stunk. And I, t- I, t- I put a video out saying this guy stinks. What does he do? First punt, shank. shank. And same with uh, Notre Dame uh, kickers, where they were struggling. They were struggling uh, big time uh, pregame. But um, I mean, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was real cool. It was my first time being in the press box. I know you've done it before for high school football. Um, but uh, no, it was real cool being on the field at the end when they're all celebrating. Everyone, uh, you know, we're there for the trophy presentation right in front with uh, where Dari Noka presented the trophy to Dabo. Uh, we got Gandhi. What did I say? Dari Noka. Oh, I always do that. They Kevin Nagani. The yeah, they do. I mean, they really go look at both of them. They look the same. <laughs> um, Kevin Nagandi. Um, uh, my bad. And, no, uh, it's fine. I mean, look, they look the same. Well, going on that, hold on. So when we're first of all, we were trying to get the most out of this pass as we could, staying on the field or going. We're only allowed in the west end zone at the end, but everybody kept walking out of the sideline. The other thing, and we got pushed back there. But one of the Clemson fans, Marty Smith, was walking right by with us. And she goes, oh, hey, Jesse Palmer. And it was like Marty Smith. He didn't even flinch. But I go, I mean, one is on holiday 
baking championships Love and the other show. guys on like ESPN. Yeah. And I'm not putting down holiday baking, don't get me don't think I am. Yeah, no, I mean it's a great show. Uh we've but we've 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 had our food network talks before. <laughs> um but yeah, no, it was great. I mean, we got a lot of close up pictures with like Dabo, uh uh Trevor Lawrence. I got a pretty cool video. I put it on my Instagram today, maybe I'll send it to you, Warren, uh to put up on our Twitter. It was after the Clemson team went to go celebrate with the band, and they were all coming back for the trophy presentation. I don't know. It was just kind of cool. I was just standing right in the middle, and they were all just coming right by me. Like I said, it was pretty dope. I found a little glove on the field, and you know, I would have been remiss if I didn't snatch that up and stick it in my pocket, so I did. Um, so sorry for any wide receiver or DB that's looking for his glove right now. Fits me perfect. So next time I play flag football, I might slide that thing on. I only got one of them, but it's the left hand, so it's perfect. It's the not old, as bad as the, the other guy hand. who took a T-shirt we saw. Yeah, we did I see a guy take a, a championship T-shirt. Right t-shirt. Yeah. Pocket. How about you put that in the front of your pants? Make sure it's not just hanging out of your pocket. Yeah, I, I don't hate that move. I told you that I thought about doing the same thing there um, if I could, but I wasn't going to go out of my way. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was an awesome experience it was cool uh you know hopefully you get a chance to do it again for for something yeah it is it is uh chaos on the field at the end of the games um it's almost like you don't know where you want to go or what you want to do at least it was for me yeah i was kind of in that i remember when i was doing high school games the end of the desoto game and then the end of the highland park state title game especially the highland park game when john stephen jones won his first state that was Mayhem, because that was the 11 o'clock game, and students aren't allowed on the field. But since it's Highland Park, I guess the UIL just allowed them to rush the field. A lot of people were pretty upset about that, but that was like madhouse because, like, oh, Jerry's on the field mm-hmm. and all that. This one, when it was like double zeros, I almost like forgot we were able to like sprint out there. I mean, we saw our guy. We were eyeing this guy all the time. He was taking wild video, gray suit and gray Nikes is what we called him. Don't know his name from he. He was hooked. Yeah. I mean, he was booking it, and other people started running. Other, all right, let's start running. But yeah, it's chaos. You're trying to not, not, uh, or to not run into people. I was right there at the end of the Dabo, uh, like right behind him mm-hmm. uh, f- for the for the Dabo interview at the end of the game. But yeah, it's just you're trying to figure out what to, uh, like what to do, where to go, especially for us like if you're there if you're a TV crew for Clemson it's pretty easy yeah you're gonna hey we're gonna try and get in because you could just grab players to interview them mm. for us I think we were just trying to like feel it out or see what yeah, was going take pictures. on yeah that, that's a, that's definitely how I was like I like uh is it, is it will venables is that no that's that's a, uh, Brett, that's a baseball Brett Brett, Brett venables yeah. um he was literally standing right by us but he was like kind of celebrating with his family and high-fiving people and I was like hey should we ask him for an interview should we ask him for an interview where you just both kind of stood there and looked at him and I, like, I didn't even hear you say that oh you didn't no I didn't even hear oh, you say I said that. it like twice I was like hey should we ask him for an interview you I think didn't we should even do say for, that. yeah I didn't because hear you like say I that. said he was literally right there and I thought that would have been cool especially you know I mean, the Clemson defense played so well to see if we could get an interview because everybody was interviewing everybody else but uh one other thing, boy, the Cotton Bowl kept you fed. Oh, <laughs> I was getting, I was getting to that. Yeah, uh, the media hospitality, top notch. I wonder if, if, if since it's a playoff game, they do this, or is, is this like it is every Cotton Bowl? Yeah, because uh, they had media hospitality at the Omni every single day, starting Wednesday to yesterday. Open bar afterwards. There, you got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They had served uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, yesterday, no lunch. But obviously, the food, the Cowboys provided the food yesterday in the press box. World-renowned mac and cheese. Yeah, I it was out the on bo- it. Ryan rookie move showed up on a full stomach. <laughs> uh, I would have 
I told you you should have kept staying hungry before you got there. But uh, world-renowned mac and cheese. It was it was a buzz in the press box before, and that I mean, I wish I had Tupperware. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to try. I mean, I think the Cowboys are playing next week at 3:25. I'm putting in a credential just for the mac and cheese. I don't. I don't even care about the game. Hey, you know, I don't even. I'm here for the mac and cheese. That is why I'm here. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I showed up on a full stomach and I left on an even fuller stomach. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I still dabbled a little bit. Uh, I didn't get anything pregame, but during the game, we had a couple bags of popcorn, a couple of hot dogs. Uh, we so got a couple bags for the road. Got a couple. <laughs> yeah, got a bag of popcorn for the road when we got back to the uh, to the Omni. Some chicken fried steak, some more chicken and barbecue sauce, some some more pretty good mac and cheese. Yes, uh, baked potato. Uh, but I mean, there was some dessert, but we we passed on the dessert. I had I had some ice cream in the press box too. Yeah, uh, I I I had a cookie, a little like ice a red cream, velvet cookie, a little ice cream bar. But uh, yeah, I mean, so shout out to whoever puts it together for the Cotton Bowl, because boy, it was good. I couldn't do that every week, or like you said, I don't know if that's just the Cotton Bowl or if they always do that. But no, the food is there every week during the game and everything. That <sighs> is during the week every Cowboy. That's the Cowboys doing that. Yikes. That's every week. That's why sports writers are so rotund, rotund, some of them. I will say, I don't know if you paid attention to other people in the press box. I always, I always kind of look, so oh, see what everybody's doing. It's hilarious. Everybody has Twitter open. Yeah. I heard the guy to, to the right of us say, oh, I'm not even going to tweet out every place since literally every single person is tweeting it out. Yeah. Um, the dude ahead of us, shout out to him, watching some motorcycle videos. Didn't even care he was at the game. He was just there to get some audio afterwards. And then watching like 1980s Celtics basketball stuff. Yeah, just wild stuff. And I always find it fascinating when they start writing the game stories. Mm-hmm. It's always around halftime. They get the first, they get the first kind of first half going. They kind of lay out the important plays there. Uh, but I always find it interesting to see what. And like what what people are doing, what the writers are doing uh, in the press box there. That was our thing. Uh, quickly before the break, we'll touch on. Uh, I honestly don't really think there's a lot to talk about in the Alabama Oklahoma game. I know Alabama or o- Oklahoma ended up backdoor covering 45 34. To me, this game was over when it was 28 nothing. And I think Alabama just let the foot off the gas and was like, I was, I said they played with their food. Kyler was rattled the first quarter. We weren't able to see it. We were getting interviews. But he settled in, was making some plays. But I thought Alabama, if they want, if they wanted to throw the deep ball more, they could have thrown the deep ball, but they just established the run and they were going to run it out. And uh, I don't think the final score indicates of how big a blowout was. You could say Oklahoma fought hard, sure. But, I also, again, I also think Alabama was just toying with their food and playing conservative on defense and playing conservative on offense, and Alabama was never in danger of losing that game. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, I mean, it was funny while we're all doing interviews um, or we're waiting for the players to come in to do interviews, everyone's kind of updating everybody else. Oh, 7-0 already. It was like three minutes into the game. Oh, 14-0. Oh, it's 21-0 going in. And everyone's like, oh, well, it's over. Uh, We were talking to um, one guy from, uh, from Indiana. He was there obviously covering Notre Dame. And he was just like, oh, yeah, this game's over. It's a wrap. I mean, he was calling it dunzo from there. Uh, but like you said, I mean, Kyler Murray still had uh, 17 rushes for 109 yards and a tutty. Uh, not bad. Uh, but Tua, I think Saban would really want to show, like, hey, we had the Heisman here. You know what I mean? I mean, I know if you ask Saban, he's going to say that stuff doesn't matter to him. But I think it matters in a sense that it mattered to Tua maybe. And so he wanted to put 
everybody on notice that, hey, look, this was the Heisman. This was the best player in college football. And he showed it with 24 of 27 for 318 yards. Kid had more touchdown passes than he had incompletions. And like you said, he was just chucking the ball up to Josh Jacobs and, uh, or excuse me, uh, Jerry Judy and, and Devontae Smith over and over again. He did, he did throw it to Josh Jacobs a couple times, too, four for 60 yards there. Um, but like you said, the, the, Alabama offense was just eating up the OU defenders uh, in the secondary, and it was just it was over pretty quickly. Yeah, and look, uh, you could tell by Quentin Williams' response to his answer. He wanted when he was asked about Kyler Murray at media day, he wanted to uh, show that Tua was the uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Tua said though his ankle still hurting him. Yeah, uh, and I think this is going to be fascinating going up against Clemson. We'll get into this on next Sunday show since the game is Monday. Uh, we'll we'll do a breakdown there, and we'll talk more um, about this. And we'll also talk next Sunday. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see why these playoff games are such blowouts. So we'll, we'll have we have some audio from Dabo. I uh, have it ready, but we're going to run out of time on that here because I want to talk about the Cowboys and the NFL playoffs coming after this. So we'll talk about that on next Sunday night show. Uh, why these games were now seven. Uh, or we're now eight of ten games that have been decided by ten points or more. The only games that haven't is Ohio State when they beat Alabama, and last year when Georgia won a double overtime against Oklahoma. All the other ones have been decided by ten points or more. Four of them have been decided by twenty points or more, and two of them by thirty points or more. So a lot of big discrepancies. And this, all right, we come back here on the shore thing. We are going to dive into those NFL playoffs, and I think Dak Prescott played the best game of his Cowboys career today. And it didn't mean anything. Coming up next year on the short thing on Talk Radio. Back here on Talk Radio 1190, the short thing. Warren and Ryan here with you for about the next 20 minutes or so. Please check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the Art Radio uh, podcast app. we got a lot of good stuff from the Cotton Bowl, like I mentioned earlier. Our interview with Sean McDonough, Ryan's talk with Ian Book, uh, Texas Quiz is up, going to be up there. Lots of good stuff for you. And uh, we have our Thursday show, and we still have a ton of bull picks to go. We've got 12 games left in the bull season. we got all those up there. Uh, we're having a pretty good bull season, uh, so check those out. And uh, look, the Cowboys won today. I, uh, Jason Garrett, to me, had coaching malpractice today. I know Dak said he wanted to play the whole game. I heard Brad Sham on the radio today say that his, the plan was only for him to play like a half. I don't care what Dak says. Today was coaching malpractice by Garrett by letting these guys play the practically the whole game. And if anything, the defense got cooked. But to what my tease was, to me, this was Dak Prescott's best game as a Cowboys quarterback, throwing the ball. I mean, for him to complete uh, four passes past 20 yards, has that ever happened in his career before? I'm going back and looking. I can't figure it out. Two of them for touchdowns. One of them was 41 yards in the air, an absolute missile. And the one to Beasley, or the, he had multiple touch, four touchdown passes, throwing it deep, spreading it out. To me, this is Dak's best game as quarterback for the Cowboys. And it doesn't even matter. And now Dak is going to hold this stat up, this, this stat sheet up, and he's going to be like, you know what? $25 million. The only thing is, though, why Dak is getting $25 million? I tweeted this out during the middle of the week. Case Keenum makes $18 million. Are you going to tell me Case Keenum's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott? As I'm not a big – I like Dak as a person. I think he's a great guy. 
He is a middle of the road quarterback, but I take him over Case Keenum every day, and that's why he's making twenty five. That's why he's going to make twenty five million dollars. Yeah, I mean he <clears throat> he's unfortunately for Cowboys and the Cowboys fans. That's exactly what he's going to command because that's what he'd command on the open market. Um, so he is a starting quarterback. He is a a above average starting quarterback. So that's just what the going rate is nowadays. Uh, you know, I kind of had this same story with uh, or the same feeling with Kirk Cousins. Just like you got to pay the guy because that's just what the going rate is. And when you know some of these younger guys are coming up, you know, like Baker, just because he, you know, he he's some of the young one of the younger cats in the in this next group that's going to be coming up for free agency. They're probably going to be commanding twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven million because that's just that. Price tag just keeps going up for for good starting quarterbacks. Um, I think that the touchdown pass to Beasley is going to be overshadowed by the fact that he had Amari Cooper wide open down the sideline just before that and just absolutely threw a duck. Amari uh, beats, I think it was Janoris Jenkins was was the corner on him um, and just absolutely smoked him down the sideline. And Dak just had to make a simple throw right down the sideline, and uh, he had to throw it towards more of the middle of the field and just absolutely threw, like I said, a duck to the sideline, and Amari Cooper would have walked in for a touchdown. Now, like I said, it ends up not mattering because he threw that pass to Beasley, who Beasley just made a great play on the on the ball, um, but I mean... I kind of had a different feeling about Dak. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you're saying this is tongue in cheek about it being his best game, but yeah, he did have you know a couple of good passes over 20 yards. He had the the 39 yard pass to Blake Jarwin uh, in the in the third quarter. So I mean, you know. Dak had a good game, 27-44 for 387 yards, four tutties. Yeah, but, I mean, it's against a Giants team that just isn't very good, and it still came down to the wire. Granted, it didn't mean anything, like you said, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if this bodes well for the Cowboys going forward. Oh, I'm not saying this bodes well for Dak and him playing against a Giants team that could not really care if they were there. I mean, they obviously wanted to win. I think they wanted to win. I don't know, but they got down 14 nothing. And uh, how much did they really want to be there? They took Saquon out in the second half when they thought it was over. They started making a run when a Gallman came in there. And my point about Dak having his best game, he overthrew a ton of guys still. I'm yeah. not. He missed three or four guys that were wide open on deep passes. But you're going to hear the people say, that game against the Giants in Week 17, they're going to stand that for that. You already saw it. People that, people, some of the guys in the media were like, oh, what a game for Dak. And this is this is just what a phenomenal game. And I'm not. They play the Seahawks next week. I am not saying that this is going to carry over, but I, I if Dak wanted to play the whole game, he needed to do something like this, and he did. I still think this was the worst decision they could ever had. Play the whole game. They're lucky he did not get hurt. And you're going to have him play the whole game when Cam Fleming's playing left tackle. Suafilo is hurt. Friend of the friend of the show, Cam Fleming. Yes, friend of the yes, friend of the friend of the show, Cam Fleming. He was hurt. Uh, got hurt. Another, the left guard got hurt. Suafilo got hurt. Tyron Smith was already out. You have this makeshift offensive line, and he got sacked still four times. He was taking a beating, and if he would have got hurt, coaching malpractice. I still think it was coaching malpractice. Heck. He had Leighton Vanderish still out there in the fourth quarter, and he got leg whipped. Mm-hmm. How do we know his shin is going to be able to heal, even if it's a shin bruise, for a week? I mean, his his linebacking is based on speed. Are we sure he's going to be able to get that level of speed back next week for a playoff game? Like having these guys out there, I could not. I unbelievable, unbelievable. 
Yeah, we talked on Thursday's show um, I, that I, I I agreed. I said Dak should probably play at least the first half because he's a guy that kind of needs to get things going because uh, he's a very streaky quarterback, in my opinion. If he, he if he has a bad week, sometimes he, it snowballs to two or three bad weeks. If he has a good week, it does the same thing. It, it you know culminates into two or three really good weeks. So I think to, to stay kind of sharp and to, and to hopefully get things going against a sorry Giants team uh, would have been good for Dak, but keeping him in there that long was like you said, coaching malpractice. If he goes down and you have Cooper Rush going into next week against the Seahawks, you could pretty much, you not pretty much, you can kiss that uh, game goodbye and possibly your job if you're Jason Garrett just because, I mean, you, you don't need your starters in that long. I think it was smart him sitting Zeke for the entire game, not even suiting him up. We said that last week. But uh, uh, it was it was a tough look. And like you said, with this patchwork offensive line, that puts Dak in even greater risk of, of getting injured. And, and he, he doesn't even have to be like a bad injury. Maybe he goes down with a concussion or something that keeps him out a week. You know, you, you just never know. And it was wild for him to take this chance uh, at this point in time. And I mean, obviously, at the, there at the end, they're not. They want to avoid overtime at all costs. So that's why they go for two. Because if they get it, obviously they're up. If they miss it, um, you know, the, the game's not tied, so the Giants aren't going to be going for anything. So obviously, they want to avoid overtime at all costs there. But at the same time, you kind of feel like, hey, maybe the Cowboys really did want to prove something with this win, or, or they were going for it. I mean, after, uh, was it Gallup that caught that that two point conversion? The Dak was really fired up, even when they yeah, got that's, the knee. Yeah, that's like. What I mean. I understand you're never going to tell a player to lose a game. And I'm not saying that the Cowboys should have tried to lose the game. But, like, Dak was, like, extremely fired up. And to me, Zeke looking at him on the sideline, he was just like, hey, we scored a touchdown. Like, right. when Jarwin was catching those touchdowns, he was just at a smile, like, hey, he caught a touchdown. That's cool. Like, I, I think there was a sense of the guys that were out knew, like, oh, it doesn't matter. But, like, that playing... We really needed this. I I was stunned. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. Was how juiced everybody was after that two point conversion. Because again, it didn't mean anything in the long run, but uh, obviously it meant something for these guys. And obviously, it's easy for us to say because we're sitting here behind microphones saying it didn't mean anything when those guys are suiting up. You know, having going through that that physical toll it takes on your body every play that it's going to mean something. But still, I mean. Uh, Again, it's just one of those things that kind of scratches your head that's saying maybe the Cowboys and the entire team was still trying to prove something, even though this game meant absolutely nothing to anybody. I think the biggest concern is that the defense got shredded by the Giants yeah. in the fourth quarter. They gave 28 points in the second half. 28 yeah. points. Yeah, and I, I think that's a huge. Byron Jones continues to get worked. Uh, I think that is a huge concern going into the next week uh, in the playoffs. And we can dive more into that on Thursday. But the, the the defense has definitely taken a step back these last couple of games in my mind, especially uh, with the deeper intermediate to deeper throws. Yeah, we've talked numerous times on this show and Thursday show how um, uh, they're they're. Secondary keeps getting scorched over and over again, and especially Byron Jones. He's he started off the season pretty strong, but lately I don't know what it had, what it's been. Uh, I'd say maybe the last four to six weeks he's just been getting beat big time deep. And when you're going against the Seahawks next week with guys like Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, who will beat you deep repeatedly, especially especially Tyler Lockett, uh, you really got to lock that down and solidify that secondary. Or this game, or th- this upcoming game against the Seahawks could be over really quickly. Yeah, all right. We'll dive into the NFL playoffs coming up after this break here on Talk Radio 1190. 
Back here on the Short Thing Talk Radio 1190. Warren and Ryan here with you until the top of the hour. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and uh, is going to have a good New Year's. We'll be back on the air next Sunday recapping the NFL playoffs. But first, we are going to look ahead at them as... We are uh, playoff time. One spot left open. The Colts lead the Titans 7-0 in the first quarter, and Andrew Luck has had his pick of the litter. Uh, A lot of holes in that Titans defense. We'll start off in the NFC and go over to the AFC. So the Saints had the first round round by. Shout-out to Aggie Kyle Allen. I assume the Aggies have to be happy that one of their own uh, with the Panthers played well, or since he transferred to Houston, do they not consider him one of their own? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 going down as a Houston Coug. Well, former Aggie. <laughs> Shout out to a former Aggie. Dude, I thought once you got in, you were just an Aggie. For yeah, life. yeah. Once you yeah, once you're an you're an Aggie for life is what they say. Except so. is Kyler considered an Aggie for life? Definitely not. If you went a Heisman in Oklahoma, you are a Sooner. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe they you know they give themselves national championships and uh, Big Twelve titles. Maybe they'll just erect a statue of him out there for oh, Heisman. Oh man, trophy. I'm gonna my phone's gonna start going off. I right I could just see. <laughs> Jamie's face and just getting it getting redder and redder and redder as I said as I said that. Uh, so the Saints had nothing to play for. They got destroyed by the Panthers. Rams were up early and up late. They beat. The, <laughs> well, they were, it got close. They were up bigger early and it dwindled a little bit. You're sweating it out if you had a minus ten. Uh the Bears. So they got they got the number one seed or they got the number two seed. So they got to buy. Then the Bears have the number three seed. I cannot believe the Bears actually wanted to win this game. If I was going into the playoffs, I would much rather face the Vikings. It was 13-10. I would have brought in Chase. I I would have brought in a receiver to play quarterback. I might even have just taken a knee. I don't care what. That would have been a bad look. I wanted to face the Vikings in the playoffs, not the red-hot Eagles, but Nick Foles, who seems like he can't lose at this time of year. Uh, so the Vikings just uh, peed on their leg. Total choke job at home against the Bears. They're out. Eagles are in. So it's Eagles-Bears next Sunday night uh, in the playoffs, or next Saturday night, excuse me, and then the Cowboys versus the Seahawks. Uh, I would not be surprised if both road teams won these first two games. My early indication, I've been saying for weeks, I do not like this matchup for the Cowboys. To me, it seems like the Seahawks just own them. They obviously played earlier in the season. Week three, totally different teams. That was Earl Thomas, first home game for the Seahawks. Uh, The Seahawks were struggling 0-2, kind of a season-defining game for them. They won. I do not like this matchup. I think the Seahawks defensive line with Clark is going to pose tons of problems. KJ Wright, I think, is coming back. They're going to pose tons of problems even if Zach Martin's playing. Uh, I do not do not like this matchup quickly looking at it for the Cowboys. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to uh, be a tough road for the Cowboys. Um, And, and, you know, that's kind of one thing we've been talking about for the last few weeks when it looked like the Cowboys were going to finish this uh, this hot streak out and and make the playoffs because it looked like it was going to be the Seahawks for quite some time now they were going to make the uh, be that five seed to play them. It's like if if you make it to the playoffs and then you lose this first game and are knocked out and eliminated again from... (laughs) Again, from uh, 
the playoffs without J- Jason Garrett, what, he has one playoff win in his career? I mean, it, it, can you really call this a success? Based on how the season started out, I said uh, – if you take that snapshot when they were, what, 2-5, and five, and you say, hey, you're going to make the playoffs, yeah, that'd be a success. But then when you rattle off five straight and say, hey, you're a first-round X in the playoffs, will that be a success? I think you uh, collectively, as a, as a Cowboys fan, you would say no. You want to make a nice little run, make it a little deep uh, to the divisional round, maybe even the conference championship game. But it's, it's going to be tough sledding for the Cowboys, and it's not going to be easy by any means. I think they're going to have to ride Zeke very hard and Amari Cooper and just hope that Dak does enough to not cost them the game or else this is going to be a cakewalk. Maybe not a cakewalk, but it will be uh, uh, an even easy. It's going to be not hard for the Seahawks. How about that? I'm not saying that they're just going to roll over the Cowboys, but I just don't know if the Cowboys will be able to put up a big enough fight if, if Dak isn't at his peak performance. And we've seen even his peak maybe isn't even that 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 good compared to some of the other top quarterbacks across the league. And in these playoffs, like you said, Nick Foles cannot lose when that calendar turns to November, December. Russell Wilson, we've seen him. He just pulls things out of his butt. I think that guy has a wishbone stuck somewhere. And then obviously, uh, Trubisky, who knows there? The guy's still young. It's going to be his first taste of the playoffs. Jared Goff, he's hot. Same thing there. Um, But obviously, uh, Drew Brees, he's got plenty of experience here. So, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for the Cowboys this next week. Yeah, I'm still sticking with the Saints preseason pick to get to the Super Bowl to get out here. I, uh, I will say, I think whoa, Zeke whoa, whoa, having whoa, a week whoa, off. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said it was going to be an all-LA Super Bowl. No, I didn't. I said Saints-Chargers. Are you sure? Yes, go back and listen to it. I thought you said it was an all-LA no, Super Bowl. No, Saints-Chargers. Okay. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, listen, Saints-Chargers. I I already I looked for the odds preseason to see Saints-Chargers. I couldn't find them. Yeah, Saints-Chargers is what I had. All right. Uh, Take the, your word for it. The tape. Yeah, check the tape on that. All right. Um, I I do think Zeke having a week off is going to rest rest him up. Is great. Yeah, he was looking very slow. I think this is perfect for him. I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well. They're going to need to just pound him continuously. Uh, and I look for him to have a big game in the passing game uh, as well. But uh, I think the Rams are kind of vulnerable. Uh, I think I think. The good thing is they have home field, but I think they're vulnerable. Yeah, they got it together. But Goff, to me, lately has struggled. He hasn't looked that, in my mind, hasn't looked that great except for today against the 49ers. But I I need to see him, like, say he goes up against the Bears. He already played bad. I know that was in the cold on the road. But, I mean, that Bears defense, that front four is is so, so good. I, I'm a little bullish, right? I know they the Rams got off to such a hot start, but... I think, I think they're. I to me, I think they're they're kind of vulnerable right now. So, are you saying that no matter who the Rams play this next round, you think they're going to be no, 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 no just I, if it's the Bears. No, I'm just saying I, I don't think the Rams are making like I already said the Saints are winning, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams go one and done. Yeah, that's. I guess that's all I'm saying. I I just think they. I I think that. Kind, I'm not McVay is still a great coach, but I think we've kind of seen that teams are able to take away some of that motion stuff that they're doing, and like a really, really good defense can stop them. 
Yeah, I think when uh, Cooper Cup went down, it really hurt them I because I, I mean he 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 kind of had the middle of the field covered, so that opened up the sidelines for Brandon Cooks uh, to do his thing. Tyler Higby really hasn't become what everyone thought he might be as a tight end. I remember you saying you thought he was going to be great for them. Obviously, Todd Gurley. You can't uh, knock what he's been doing. But I might say these last couple of weeks, if you're the Rams, you might consider trading Todd Gurley and just writing C.J. Anderson out the next couple of years. <laughs> I, I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> so we'll just move along to the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs have a bye. The Patriots for the ninth year in a row have a bye. So shout out to those easy six wins they have every year in the AFC East for getting. I mean, they literally have start 6-0. and oh. Yeah, in the division. Well, you I mean, except for the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, in December. Yeah. If they play Miami in Miami in December, it's a, okay. Still five of six, easy ones. Then you got to scrape out five more. They have the two seed. Texans have the three seed. They will face the winner of the Colts Texans. Uh, I'm hoping it's the Colts. I just feel like that's a much better game. Yeah. And then the Ravens won the division. They will place face the Chargers. This is a rematch of the game that took place week uh, sixteen. And. Uh, I had the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Do you need to listen to the tape on that, or do you remember No, that, that I remember, but okay. I could have sworn you said it was going to be an all-L.A. No, Super Bowl. No, no. I think maybe I did, but I changed it to the Saints. Uh, I Earlier in that segment, I could have said I like all-L.A., but then I went Saints. Okay. Uh, I, I will say the Chargers, to me, have been leaking. I haven't looked great. I'm sticking with them. I can't flip-flop now. You literally have – there is one play you have to stop to stop the Ravens. And that is the zone read. I yeah. mean, that's all they do is the zone read. And when they get behind on the chains, Lamar Jackson cannot beat you in the air. Do you agree with they Literally, the only way they can beat you is with on the ground. And Phillip Rivers needs to chuck it deep every single time to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, or Tyrell Williams because they got absolutely cooked today by the Browns receivers deep. Yeah, that that's where I, that was the one thing I was gonna say was um, Lamar Jackson. He just has to be the best form of himself throwing the ball, and that's very below average. As long as he's running and moving the ball with his legs, the Ravens have a great chance because of that defense. But yeah, their secondary looked like uh, looked very vulnerable today against the Browns. Uh, I watched for the second half of that game, and that's why I was a little late getting here because we were watching the very end of it, uh, as I'm sure you were. Um, but uh, it's gonna be that's that's gonna be a great matchup. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, if, if I'm the Chargers, I'm lining up three wide receivers every time and just running them straight straight streaks, all uh, John Madden or Madden 2000 style, and then maybe have uh, Melvin Gordon coming out the backfield for a little dump off or something because uh, that that front seven for the Ravens is filthy. Their secondary is where they have maybe a little bit of a leak there, but I'm look, really looking forward to this matchup. I think the Chargers should take it. I think they're gonna, they're obviously going to want some revenge against the Ravens, but uh, yeah, well that we'll see there. Yeah, the Steelers missing the playoffs is crazy, but you lose to the Broncos and the Raiders. You don't deserve to get in, and you literally need a field goal in the last minute of the game to beat the Bengals you don't deserve. And so, all right, that's our show. Thanks, everybody. Listen on Thursday on the Short Things, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio podcast app, and we will be back here again next Sunday night recapping the Cowboys playoff game against the Seahawks. Have a happy new year. We'll talk to you guys next week.